The views and opinions expressed on Eye on the Triangle do not represent WKNC or NC State student media. You are currently tuned into Eye on the Triangle here on WKNC 88.1 FM HD1 Raleigh. Hello everyone, this is Brian Jurado, the Public Affairs Director here at WKNC and host of Eye on the Triangle. We've got a fun episode for y'all today. We're going to start off with the weekly news with Abigail, Molly, Emily, and Heidi as they run through their tidbits, which is always a fun time. Following the weekly news, Maha has an interview with local EDM coalition Space Camp. And to conclude today's episode, Ray has an interview with Dr. David Tarpey professor and extension specialist in apiculture here at NC State University as they talk about honeybee conservation. So stay tuned. Hello, guys. Welcome back to Eye on the Triangle. I am Abigail Ali, the news editor for Technician, and today I am here with... Hey, guys. I'm Heidi Reed. I'm one of the assistant news editors. Hey, I am Molly Mitchell, and I am the photo editor. And I'm Emily Vespa. I'm the other assistant news editor at Technician. And today we have brought you some exciting tidbits. So, yeah, we'll get into it. Okay, so this is my first tidbit. I want you guys to guess which popular public television host and best-selling guidebook author Wake County Libraries will host soon. Adam Sandler. Matthew McConaughey. Zach Galifianakis. You're all wrong. And... You're not even close, to be quite honest with you. And it's a little bit disappointing. Oh. So, yeah, that's embarrassing. Um, it's actually Rick Steves. Do you know who that is? No. 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 <laughs> okay, well, I thought the name sounded familiar. And it, I think he sells, like, a lot of travel books and stuff. Um, and he also, I think, has, like, a travel company where he, like, takes people on tours to, of Europe. And it's, like, really popular. So he's going to be virtually joining with Wake County Libraries. And according to the website, this event is expected to be very popular. So they said get there right at 6.30 when it starts. It's on Wednesday, February 22nd at from 6.30 7.30. And it's going to be a brief interview and then a Q&A. And you can submit questions. So if you have a question for him, you should think about that. That actually sounds really cool, though. I went or like I did one of those before and it actually was kind of nice. Um, I mean, it's virtual, which is kind of weird, but that means you don't have to leave your house, which is fun. True. <laughs> and yeah. unless they're like doing it virtually via the library, I don't know. I don't know. It's like a Zoom. But... And also, by the way, his TV show is called Rick Steve's Europe. Maybe oh, you can take it to Europe. Actually, I hope so. It's I'm going public television's most watched, longest running travel series. Is it on National I've Geographic? definitely seen this. Did you um, say it was PBS? Maybe it is PBS. If that sounds like something to be on I've PBS. seen yeah. the ad. So it's not pub- National Geographic. <laughs> not National no. Geographic. Sorry. I don't think so. That sounds kind of fun because even if it's not virtual and you have to go to the library, like you get to go to the library yeah. still. Yeah, I think it'll be cool. Yeah, I'm excited. Okay, guys. So this one is kind of newsy but ca- kind of not newsy and just kind of really interesting for people living in the Triangle area. But the News and Observer recently published an article with an interactive map showing the median prices of houses by zip code in the Raleigh area. And this also includes parts of Fuquay, Wake Forest, Durham, and Clayton. And the article itself lists the top three most expensive zip codes in Raleigh, which are 27608 with a median price of 978576 
dollars, which is the five points area of Raleigh, and two seven six zero five with a median price of seven hundred forty five thousand four hundred thirty eight dollars, which is like the Oberlin Village District area, and two seven six zero seven with a median price of six hundred seventy nine thousand one hundred six dollars, which is like the Wade Avenue area of West Raleigh, and the map also includes a percentage of how much each like zip code has changed over like year over year so you get to kind of see like it's like color-coded so you can see the changes and where it's like most drastic and yeah it's really exciting because if you've been in the triangle area the past like few years you know the housing market has been absolutely insane and by using the map, you can easily see areas where the prices of houses have gone up the most, which er appear to be areas like in Durham, Fuquay, Clayton, and Wake Forest. So more of the outskirts of Raleigh. And I was also able to see the median price of houses where I live, which was really fun to see, especially because my zip code is right outside one of the most expensive areas, which was kind of cool to see like the comparison. So, I recommend going and playing with that map because it's kind of cool. <laughs> I am so excited for that because I like walking in, like, the neighborhoods around Wood Avenue. Yes. yes. And I'm really nosy, and not all the houses are on Zillow. <laughs> so, yeah. like, I'm excited to see, like, what, how much each thing costs and all that. Yeah, so. exactly. I actually looked up um, the house I live out right now on Zillow. It's It was built uh, over 100 years ago, and its worth is 900000 Oh, my and God. And, wait, they didn't actually build it on the plot of land. They, like, brought it to the plot of land and just set oh it on land. Oh, my God. It's that much crazy. only because of the location. I'm really scared of your house. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually really surprising. And I feel like that'll be good like to know if you're actually looking to buy a house, which I'm not. But if you are, then you will know like if your house is going to appreciate in value and how exactly. what rate it will or like whatever like that. Okay. Yeah. That's also interesting because that's like three zip codes right all around NC State. Like I'm curious. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what Does it just like get more ex or less expensive as you go further out? or It looked like... Like, downtown Raleigh area, the more historical areas that have been, like, traditionally expensive mm -hmm. have stayed similar prices. But the areas that are growing, like Durham, Fuquay, and Clayton and stuff that are getting more businesses and stuff and are actively growing, those prices are going up. Mm. So, like, that was really interesting to see because, like you said, like, if you get a house in downtown, yeah, the price is going to be high, but it didn't appreciate as much as, like, if you were to get a house in Durham right now. Huh. True. Which is really crazy, but it was really fat satisfying to like look at it. Yeah, that's interesting. That's too bad I'm not planning on buying a house anytime <laughs> soon. Yeah, same. <laughs> okay, so for our next tidbit, North Carolina State Auditor Beth Wood has admitted to hitting a parked car and driving away on December 8th, 2022. Wood said she was shaken by the incident after she, wait. Wood said she was shaken by the incident and after she couldn't move her car, she fled the scene. But she regrets her actions and will cooperate with law enforcement. Um, her court appearance is this Thursday, and she won't face jail, jail time, but she'll likely face a fine. And when asked, why would you flee a scene like that, she responded with, that is a question for my lawyer. Oh, no. Oh, no. I was wondering if somebody was going to cover this. I think it's so funny. <laughs> it's a little funny. I'm not going to lie. Cause, like oh, that's such that's an no easy thing to good. avoid. It was a parked car. Like just leave a note. Leave a note with your phone number. Yeah. You know, and this my whole friend thing got sideswiped downtown, and they didn't leave a note. Granted, was it Beth Wood? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it possibly could be. She like there was no damage except like some scrapes, but 
It was outside of El Rodeo. That's in just downtown like sucks. Like just leave a note. Chances are your insurance is going to cover most of it. So that's not good for Beth Wood. And also, I read something today. I wrote this yesterday, so this is not updated. But I read something today that she, um, her spokesperson is now resigning. So I don't know why her spokesperson is resigning. She's not. But I thought that was interesting as well. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. I also think it's so funny that it was well, not funny. It's probably not good, but it was like a state issued car. Like it was like. In North oh Carolina, my car. God. So, like, that's interesting. That's so and funny. then also, like, the fact that, like, all these people are calling for her to resign and she's not is very interesting. But honestly, she got elected. And I don't know. I mean, like, I kind of I see why she wouldn't want to resign because, it's, yeah, why would you want to quit your job? But everyone, like, is going to hate her now. Yeah, everyone hates her now. Yeah, the facts. car owner called it shallow, according <laughs> to the article. So. Yeah, not a good look for a not politician a for to publicly hit a car and leave. Yeah, <laughs> in a state issued car. Well, it is. This is something I just car. saw. The she's appearing in Wake County Court, um, January twenty sixth, which is like Friday, and we're recording this before that. So should we go? <laughs> let's go see her in court. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Oh we can God. go ask her why would you do this thing like this ourselves, and mm-hmm. she, she has the same answer. We'll report back. <laughs> Updates to come. Are you looking for a new pet hog? Yes, yes, I am. Well, you might just be in luck because an entire section of I-95 was closed on January 23rd after a truck carrying over 180 hogs flipped. Wow. Oh, my God. Um, at, least 100, at least 180 of those fell out, and some of them actually died. Oh, oh no. no. Rip. Um, the driver was actually taken to the sad. hospital with minor injuries. Um, the road was reopened later in the day, but... Go and catch a hog with your bare hands. Wow. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, how were they fitting all those hogs in there? Like, were they stacked? Like, that's a little bit. They do. How do you fit them all? There's, like, the layers. Have you seen a hog truck? Have you seen, like, a chicken uh, truck? Is it weird that I've never seen a hog truck before? I've never seen a hog Probably truck not, either. because Have y'all are from the western part truck? of the state. No. Well, I used to get behind chicken trucks on my way to school just because I on went out to school, school in the middle of nowhere. Oh, yeah. It smelled really bad. It was like the Tyson truck. It looks so sad. They're all like squished in the trucks. <gasps> That's yeah. terrible. Maybe someone flipped it on purpose. So Maybe they're trying to free them. Yeah, exactly. They were <laughs> and then they them. died. And a couple died. I know. I'm glad the driver's okay though. That's good. Yeah, it's <laughs> oh good that the God. driver's okay. And uh, if some of the hogs had to die for the rest of the hogs to be free, then I don't know. Like, maybe they'll get freedom. I'm sure day. it was a good sacrifice. Like, I'm sure they're mm-hmm. in heaven right now and they feel good about they it. They are. They're in heaven <laughs> now. So watch your backyard. You might have a hog. Alrighty, so. If you are a big fan of women or you're a big fan of rock and roll, I have some great news for you. Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Stevie Nicks is coming to Raleigh's PNC Arena on May 12th. No way. What? Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I, I was women. shocked to find that out, too, because I'm literally like in the process of go at, like planning a trip to go to Nashville to see Stevie Nicks. So if I would have known she was coming to Raleigh, I wouldn't have done that. But it's too late because I already planned it. But um, if you don't know who she is, she's a renowned solo artist and also was a member of Fleetwood Mac. And she's only going to 13 cities across the U.S., which is, like, kind of cool that she shows Raleigh. And tickets yeah. on sale, are they go on sale at Ticketmaster on January 27th at 10 a.m. So, yeah. Hooray. I already know I'm going to be out of town, and that makes me want to throw up because I love women and I love rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, that's the thing. There's definitely going to be lots of fans of women and rock and roll there, too. So, <laughs> I don't know. That's the thing about Stevie Nicks. Exactly. It's um, also really cool, like you said, that she picked Raleigh because usually when, like, artists do smaller tours, they always skip Raleigh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it's really cool that she's coming here. Yeah, yeah it cool. is. Yeah. So, get your tickets. Woo.
So another thing that's kind of exciting going on is Durham Public Schools are doing a major redistricting in the fall of 2024. This redistricting will end up changing where around 2,000 elementary kids will be attending school. This plan has been in the works for several years and intends to balance the number of kids per school and to more evenly distribute some of their resources. And I thought this was really interesting because that's a lot of kids to be moving around. And it's also kind of satisfying to hear because I know over time things do become kind of unbalanced and unequal in school districts as they change and evolve. So I thought that was kind of cool because it's apparently that's not all their plans. That's just the one that just got approved. Like they're going to be moving more school or more like grades eventually. But I still thought it was really interesting. I like the idea for the aspect of equality and balancing out the school systems, but I'm also curious, like, how many childhood best friends are going to get separated and not be able to see each other very much anymore, and that makes me sad. Yeah, redistricting is definitely tough, but hopefully they won't get moved too far, or maybe they'll get moved together, type B. I don't know. (laughs) I hope so, too. I don't have much to say about this, although it's really interesting to see what's going to happen, and I wonder if there's anybody who's, like, I know, like, in where I used to go to public school, like... There were people who were like actively like fighting for different mm-hmm. certain redistricting ways. So I wonder if there's anyone who's really passionate about it or if everyone's just kind of like chilling. Yeah, that's a good question. It happened to where when like in where I went to school too, people would like fight over what elementary school they got to go to. So that's probably yeah. another reasoning because one elementary school is like seen as the better one. Definitely. Yeah. I'm glad they are like doing it for equality purposes though, because I know some other cities it's not those reasons. Yeah. <laughs> so a Raleigh activism group. The North Carolina Peace Action is displaying a replica of a nuclear bomb in downtown Raleigh to call for all countries to destroy their nuclear stockpiles. The bomb represents two bombs accidentally dropped but not detonated over Goldsboro. And so I thought the term broken arrow was just referring to this incident in Goldsboro, but it turns out it refers to any time the nuclear weapon is lost or accidentally um, detonated or damaged, which happens a lot. It's happened 32 times since 1950. Oh, God. And that's, that's a lot wow. of times. And the most infant case actually happened in North Carolina when two bombs fell over Wayne County after the plane carrying them broke apart. I don't know how or why they didn't detonate. Oh I tried God. to figure that out, and I can't. I don't understand the science at all behind it, but that's fine. The NCP, NCPA hopes to prevent further tragedy by discouraging the use of nuclear warfare. And I have one thought on this, and I don't quite understand the replica, because if someone just told me, like, hey, nuclear bombs are bad, we shouldn't have them, I would believe them. I don't understand why that's necessary. I don't get that part. But I guess it's a cool idea. Interesting. I'm pretty sure the originals are still in Goldsboro. That's, like, a big deal. Yeah. But I don't think they're allowed to move them. I I, I wonder what would happen if they did. Yeah. I'm curious. Because they also said they want countries to, like, get rid of their stockpiles of nuclear weapons how do you get rid of nuclear weapons like what do you do True. with that? Great <laughs> thought about that yeah i like i've done like some i did like i wrote an essay about like nuclear safety and stuff and i mainly focused on like how to not how to make sure you keep nuclear materials safe so people don't make bombs but i've never thought about like what do you do once you make them like do you just have to det? I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure you can get it to where you don't have to detonate it. But like, True. even after that, you still have a bunch of really dangerous materials exactly. all yeah. too close still together. Full of, like yeah. radioactive stuff. You can't yeah. just throw it in a landfill. Yeah. yeah. So I don't, I don't really know. know. They never specified how they want people to get rid of their nuclear hmm. inventories, but 
If you want to go see a nuclear bomb replica, head on to downtown Raleigh. <laughs> yeah. Are you a fan of banjos? Well, the Dave Matthews Band will be coming to Wilmington in May to perform for two concert dates. Um, I'm not a Dave Matthews pan, uh, fan personally, but there's been a massive concert drought recently, so I'm happy to see that Wilmington is getting um, some more concerts. Um, they will perform at the Live Oak Band Pavilion at Riverfront Park in Wilmington on May 30th and 31st. Um, the tickets go on sale on February 17th, and it can be purchased through Live Nation. Sweet. Wow. Dave Matthews fans in the house. Woohoo. <laughs> Boom shakalaka. <laughs> no, that sounds really cool because I know we have a lot of people on eboard who really love concerts. And like Heidi was saying, it sounds like for the next couple of months, it's going to be pretty sparse pickings around here, at least for like some of the bigger, more like popular artists. So it's really good that. At least somebody well-known is coming around. Because I know at least Wade listens to Dave Matthews' band. So <laughs> and it's, it'll, it'll just be, be Wade in, at the concert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just him. It'll be in May, so it'll be warm. You can have a little beach trip. Yeah, it'll be like yeah. outside and on True. the beach. Yeah, oh, that's a nice. good point. That'll be oh, Wow. So good. Fun. Okay, guys. That is all we have for you this week. Thanks again for joining us. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Up next, Maha interviews local EDM coalition Space Camp. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Maha with WKNC 88.1 FM on HD1. Catch our show, Eye on the Triangle, every Sunday from 6 to 7 p.m. Today, I'm here with Space Camp, a local EDM coalition. Hey, guys, can you guys introduce yourselves? Hey, how you doing? My name is Mr. Jupiter. And I go by Mishanko. I go by MBM Tone. All right, cool. So Space Camp is a pretty cool name. How did you guys come up with that? And what does it mean? Space Camp, the name came from just basically more about just astrology and stuff like that. Just a lot of space themes. Stems for, especially me personally, having a lot of space tattoos and whatnot. And it's the vast emptiness of space and encompassing bringing in everything together, especially with the EDM culture, um, all genres of music, different styles and whatnot. So Space Camp was pretty much a generic name came up with. Did you say that you got inspiration from Zodiac and astrology as well? Not Zodiac, astrology though. But on the note of that, um, Zodiac is all I know about astrology. So with that mm-hmm. said, what are uh, each of your Zodiacs? I'm a Capricorn. I'm a Gemini. And I'm an Aquarius. That sounds really fun. I'm a Pisces. <laughs> how long have each of you been doing music? And how long have you guys been doing music as a group? Yeah, so uh, I actually started DJing-wise and like producing probably about eight years ago, back when I was still living in Baltimore. Um, and then when I moved to North Carolina in 2019, I met Lewis and Antonio and really just met on the love of music. We met going to a concert. That's uh, so sweet. Yeah, from there, we uh, we kind of started DJing together. And then um, the DJing turned into more than what we I guess expected and and then we kind of turned into what we are now which is uh is pretty awesome to see in a in a short period of time but yeah yeah did anyone want to add Antonio and I started at the same time I'll say like 2019 um I think that's I think that's around the time you started so right after we met Corey and whatnot because Corey used to come to our apartment 
my first starter board. <laughs> so I was like, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, 2019 was kind of like when everything started to come together. And then yeah. here we are now. Mm-hmm. And that's really cool. Um, So was it because of the pandemic that you guys decided to make music together? Or was that just something that kind of ruined the plans later? <laughs> I think that's when we started taking it serious yeah yeah we had too much i had we had a lot of time on our hands so right yeah it really yeah. opened up some opportunities um kind of outside of your typical scene of of doing like bars or gigs it kind mm-hmm. of opened up the opportunity to have parties or or like outdoor events or things that you couldn't necessarily do during the pandemic but it was still able to bring people together so yeah, absolutely. So I'm getting the message that you guys really like cultivate EDM culture by the whole idea of like unity and stuff like that. That's really prevalent in the rave scene. Is that right? Yeah. 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 So basically, long story short, I mean, we kind of want to do bring our part to the EDM community and especially in the Triangle area. And, you know, we also want to help uplift and bring people on, especially if they're not getting bookings. Like we do our shows, plus we also do local events with local artists as well and give them the shot to play in front of people as well. That is super cool. That is super cool. So um, what are some of the best collaborations that each of you have been the most excited to do? Uh, Anything upcoming or anything in the past? Personally, it's like when we first started outside of our regional, we started in we like really started to play a lot outside of Raleigh. It was like in Charleston, it was like kind of like we were new to this and we like were out of our whole area and we just was playing and then we come to our area with like this whole dream and this whole business plan and and this came to life. Um, I think that was like the biggest collab was like in the beginning of New Year's. It was that New Year's, yeah. Last year, it was like everything came to light. And that I was our big. Loved that party. I just wanted to let you guys know that I actually went there last year before I started doing the five. Yeah, I love that oh, New Year party. Scary. It was so lit. Oh my gosh. It was awesome. Um, how have you guys grown as a group and what lessons have you learned? And because you're so about unity and uplifting, you know, other artists, DJs, it seems like you are trying to bring the community and the world together through music. What are some lessons that you would give to anyone who wants to start up DJing or doing events? I'm assuming you guys do both. Yeah, um, I would say one thing to give the same energy when you're performing when there's two people in the room to compare it to like a hundred or a thousand people. Give the same energy. Mm. With that. That's the biggest thing. Like, mm-hmm. I know it sucks when there's nobody there to see you perform. We've all been through that. We've all done it. I mean, it happens. But just give it 110% the same energy when you do it with a pack room. Yeah, yeah. That's really good advice. I love that. That's so genuine. It shows me that you really do this because you love music um did anyone else want to comment um you want to go first core yeah i was just going to say more in terms of the event side of things it's uh it's been a big learning curve um we kind of just jumped right in and said hey let's let's get it done and started with throwing our own events with really just us involved and then our goal was to start booking bigger djs and it's really been a growing process so 
I would say if anybody else is getting involved, uh, love the people you do it with and, and trust them because it's, uh, it's a lot of work, but the outcome is always super awesome, especially when you know that you put in as much effort as you did to, to make that event happen. So. Mine is like more so do not always look at it as this for the money or the fame. Um, do it like from your heart and do it, do it, do it up, do it like because you love to do it. And this is your passion. This is your dream. This is not just a job. It's not a job. It, you know, a job is something that you go clock in and you may leave one day. Um, do this for your passion. Do it uh, what's called because you love to do it and you can change so many lives and just do it for the passion of music. It's not about the money all the time, because just like Corey said, you may, you like, we like throw events and it may not be the best. And, you know, you just got to do it. You got to do it from the heart. Absolutely. I love that we kind of got a little bit of everything from everyone. Um, I felt like I was reading the inside of a yearbook or something. It was really <laughs> wholesome and helpful and cute. I love that. That's <laughs> just really good advice. You guys, thank you so much. Um, so how do you speak to your audience through your music and how do you work together to do that ebb and flow? Because it's, it's the three of you, right? Technically it's nine of us. Oh my God. <laughs> um, so I'd say, so basically, I mean, we're a collective and we're a promotional company. Um, when it comes to us as individuals, our music is kind of what we want to make and put out. So our, everybody's thought process is going to be completely different. Like me and Corey's thought process would be completely different on the song. So it's not going to be one thing. So it's kind of like what we, and it's, that question is kind of a little hard to just give a short answer, but it's what we, it's what we feel like we want to put out. Yeah. How our emotions would be into that song. Yeah, I guess really not trying to take, um, to try to be the same as everybody is probably what, what Lewis is trying to say a little bit as well. I think we all try to put our own style into everything we do. And um, even just from hearing one of our songs compared to each other's, you can definitely tell whose is whose just because they all kind of put their own little style into it. Um, but overall, when it comes to having nine people trying to all be involved, uh, our, yeah. us three are definitely the, uh, the, I guess the the main points when it comes to Space Camp mu Music Group in terms of the business side of things. Yeah. Um, and then we have a lot of people who are very involved as well um, that we, we we try to keep uh, try to keep involved with as many events, but uh, also kind of help them out when it comes to music or or always be there to give advice if they need anything. And we all have our different sounds and that what makes us unique, um, especially just like Corey and Lewis said, we all have our different tastes, our different uh, mindsets on things. And like, you can tell who's who because we all have our unique sound and we all like to bring it together and be like, all right, okay, this, this, this sounds amazing. How about we all play on one whole lineup? Um, you know, it's just about us being different with each other and basically respecting each other on different creative levels. So my next question, what is the funniest thing that has ever happened during any of your live sets? Oof, I'm going to get roasted. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was playing in a bed and like I have a bad bladder. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I just let it go when I was playing and I dipped out the event quick. <laughs> 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 I had to go. 
I finished my set, said goodbye, so I'm out of there. I had to go. <laughs> <laughs> Have you both done that as well? Nah. Okay. No. I try to prepare my bathroom <laughs> usage. I try to like time everything out. Or I try oh, okay. not to okay. Okay. I'm just not good. <laughs> Happens when I go to festivals too. I start drinking and I just gotta go to bathroom somewhere. It happens. It totally <laughs> happens. No judgment here. Mine <laughs> is loading the wrong track on the wrong deck. Um, yeah, plenty of times <laughs> loading the wrong track on the wrong deck and hitting the play button when you're not supposed to. It cuts everything off. <laughs> Yeah. Do, do people do like a double take when that happens or something? If it's fast enough, they don't notice. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Smooth. I, I've done. I've pressed pause multiple times and nobody even noticed. <laughs> That's really smooth. Um, what about you, Corey? Any funny things that have happened any during any of your sets? Um, it's just a. Uh, uh, both these guys were here with me when I was playing, but I was probably the most nervous I ever was to play this set one day, and. Uh, there was like a bunch of people there. I was opening for a DJ and <laughs> I was so nervous. And then like two songs in, I was like, all right, I got this. I'm, I'm killing it. Crowd was loving it. And then ended up that the, uh, the DJ was running a little bit late. So my nerves went from a hour set into playing two hours long, trying to keep the, trying to keep the set going and me just my heart pounding the whole time. So that, uh, <laughs> It turned out well, but it was uh, it was nerve wracking for that sure. That sounds scary more than it does funny. Oh wow, that's insane! But and oh my gosh. One and one and one more great advice: have multiple USBs. Multiple All USBs right. noted. Don't leave your USB at, at home too. No. Yeah. Carry a fanny pack. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> real for real. That is some wonderful advice. Some crazy stories. I always love asking people that. I've heard some wild things from DJs all over the world. Like you would not believe what happens when it's about to go down. Like you guys are really built around unification, community building, and really giving everyone and yourselves a chance to express yourselves through music. We love that. It's great energy. And for anyone in the audience who is interested in learning more about Space Camp, you guys, where can we find your handles? Where can we find your events? Where can we find you where you're posting next? Uh, yeah, so for Space Camp, you can find us on Instagram at Space Camp Music Group Official. And on Facebook, you can find us at Space Camp, uh, Space Camp 1 on Facebook. Uh, individually, you can find me at Mr. Jupiter Music Official. You can find me, uh, MVM Tone. Uh, DMV official on on Instagram and of course follow Space Camp Music Group. We always are popping up with shows. You can uh, you can find me on Instagram at Mashanko underscore music. I know uh, I'm I'm not going to spell it out, but if you follow Space Camp, you'll, you'll oh, okay. see. <laughs> Space Camp is the easy one to to spell. Awesome, yeah. awesome. You can keep up with all events on through our Instagram. It's automatically posted on our Facebook. Awesome, awesome. You guys, thank you so much. It's seriously been an honor to speak with you. I've heard things from you guys. I've that I've never 
would have thought have been possible. Um, <laughs> good luck with everything. And for everyone in the audience who is interested in learning more about Space Camp, please um, give them a follow on Instagram and check out all of their upcoming events. Uh, they've got a lot. Thank, Thank you. you guys. Thank you guys. For the last interview of the evening, Ray will be interviewing Dr. David Tarpey. Honeybee conservation has become a major effort in the past few years. American fowl brood is a bacterial disease that devastates bee colonies year after year, wiping out tens of thousands of bees per colony. The USDA has recently approved a vaccine in an effort to curb this deadly disease, a huge stride in conservation efforts. Here to discuss the vaccine and its effects on Wake County is Dr. David Tarpey, a professor and extension specialist of apiculture at North Carolina State University. My name is Dr. David Tarpey. I'm a professor of applied ecology in the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences. What disease is this vaccine treating? It's treating a bacterial pathogen of brood called American fowl brood, and it's given that name because it makes when the bees and the larvae die, they are stinky, so they smell. And it's probably the, the most noxious and concerning brood pathogen of honeybees. So um, it's caused by a bacterium, Penobacillus larvae, and it goes into a spore form, so it's actually really hard to eradicate once it infests a colony. How prevalent is this disease in Wake County bee populations? Well, in talking with our state regulators, the uh, Apiary Inspection Division of the NCDA and Consumer Sciences, um, they tell me that it's, it's not rare, but it's less than 1%. So it's not very common. But again, because it's so noxious, when there is an outbreak, it can be quite devastating for a given beekeeper. Have there been any significant cases of this in Wake County as of late? Um, not according to them, which is good. They're doing their jobs as regulatory officials to keep the honeybee population healthy within the state. Um, but, you know, a single individual that dies from this disease, uh, they produce about two and a half billion spores. And it can only take about 10 spores to infect a new individual. So it can spread extremely rapidly once it takes a foothold in the colony. And do you know how soon this vaccine will be available to Wake County? My understanding is that it is available right now. Uh, there are some very large-scale national trials going on, so there's actually no data. <laughs> so um, the NCDA and us are, are hopeful but hesitant to recommend it because we really need to see kind of real-world evidence that this is uh, something that's going to prevent widespread outbreaks of AFB. Do you know what other populations or communities are currently using the vaccine? Well, they're using it in a, in a trial basis, so kind of in a, um, a beta trial uh, to see how the kind of laboratory results that resulted in the approval of the vaccine manifest in kind of a real-world situation. So the published evidence suggests that there's kind of a, about a 30 to 50% reduction in the spread or the infection of this particular pathogen when exposed. So that's kind of within individual larvae in a Petri dish, right? So how that actually translates to a more complex colony 
uh, environment is still yet to be seen. How does the vaccine target the bacteria? Yeah, so that's a great question of how it works. And so it's been shown for the last decade or so, it's been a, a fairly hot topic of research in insects where they have a very different immune system than we do. And so the way that this works is when a mother, that is the only mother within a honeybee colony, the queen, gets exposed to a particular bacterial pathogen, somehow she's able to transmit some sort of information through the egg to her offspring so that the offspring are less prone to the same disease. Exactly how that information is transmitted is unclear. It's not some sort of permanent genetic change or any genetic engineering by any means. It's just an exposure of the mother so that the offspring then, the daughter workers within the colony, are less uh, prone to that particular disease. So that's how it, it manifests. How will this vaccine impact Wake County bees and beekeepers once it is released here? Well, I think once it's really proven that it works in the real world uh, on a large scale, I think it would be very beneficial in several ways. One, uh, really the only, there's two main remedies that beekeepers have in order to keep these kind of bacterial pathogens at bay. One is to use antibiotics, which is like with us, it's not um, the best thing that should be done prophylactically or, or frequently because they can develop a, an immunity to, to those antibiotics, and we just want to kind of cut down on antibiotics in general. The second way is to simply kill the hives, kill the colonies, and be, the bees, and burn the hives, which obviously is not good for the bees or the beekeeper. Uh, the second way that it's very potentially hopeful is that it might be a general use so that um, there can be other pa pathogens especially viruses for which there are no chemotherapies or anything that beekeepers can do, but viruses in particular really make colonies sick. So if this translates to just beyond the American fowl brood pathogen to other pathogens, I think it could really have a, a significant impact for Wake County beekeepers and beyond. How much would you say the Wake County population depends on bees, not just in a natural context, but in an economic context? I can say more generally that there's about 100 different crops that rely on bee pollination, and honeybees are the primary insect pollinator that provide that pollination service. And so without pollination by bees, you don't get seed and then fruit set, and so you know we wouldn't have the local fruits and vegetables that we would be used to. So it's hard to quantify that, but um, it, it definitely does have a, an impact on our local food supply. What sort of impact will this have, will this vaccine have on the economy going forward? It's hard to say because of the infrequent um, but devastating levels of this particular pathogen. But again, going forward, if this can be a more generalist approach to all pathogens, then I think it could have a real significant benefit. About 40% of colonies by beekeepers in North Carolina die every single year. And so the beekeepers have to frantically grow those colonies back in order to provide the pollination services that they do. So there's this kind of constant turnover of the honeybee population. So anything that can be done to reduce that and make it a lot more sustainable will go a long way to making it more economically viable. And you mentioned that there are some other pathogens that bees are facing. Mm -hmm. 
what are some of those other pathogens? So the ones that I've seen for this particular company who, who launched this vaccine, what's in their pipeline um, are a couple other uh, bacterial and fungal pathogens. So there's um, a, a similar pathogen called European foul brood rather than American foul brood. There's also um, a problematic fungus that can infect brood called uh, chalk brood. But as of yet, I don't see anything in their pipeline for these viral pathogens, which affect brood and adults. And so we're going to have to see how that develops, if it's even applicable to to addressing those viral pathogens. Okay. And by brood, do you mean the um, larvae? Developing young, yes. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that. (laughs) So how was this vaccine developed? And I know that in the published literature, um, this kind of transgenerational immune effect has had been shown first in beetles, and then somebody showed it in uh, some other systems, including bumblebees, and then some more work uh, was done in honeybees. And so I think it's just uh, a natural evolution of that empirical research and taking it to uh, an applied way to uh, to managed beekeeping. So they're providing the same means of inoculating a queen or exposing a queen to this bacterial pathogen and then seeing if the offspring are uh, less susceptible to it. And what makes this vaccine special that was able to be USDA approved? It was approved rather than through kind of the pesticide uh, division. It was approved through the the veterinary track through the USDA um, and the EPA. And so those are kind of not as commonly used within the regulatory infrastructure that that we're used to, but it was given an emergency status, uh, even though American foul brood is not necessarily, you know, the outbreaks, I think, at least here in North Carolina, are fairly under control because of our excellent apiary inspection team. But, um, you know, I think it's using the current... Uh, beekeepers and applying them in a real-world context that will give us the best information as to its efficacy. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Reporting for Eye on the Triangle, this is Ray Bandy. Well, that is all for this evening's episode of Eye on the Triangle. I want to thank technician news editors Abigail, Molly, Emily, and Heidi for sharing their weekly tidbits also want to thank Space Camp and Dr. David Tarpey for sitting down and interviewing with us. I hope everyone has a lovely rest of their week. Music for today's episode was Tupelo Train by Chris Hogan, licensed under the YouTube Audio Library. You can listen to more episodes of Eye on the Triangle weekly on Sundays at 6 p.m. or wherever you listen to your podcast. <laughs>